Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. Last week, we began a new series called Whole Gospel. And what we've been doing is we've been taking a look at the message of Jesus Christ that we have received to determine whether or not the message that we have received is actually the message that Jesus intended for us to receive. The message that Jesus intended for us to receive. How many of you know that in communication and conversation, some things get lost in translation, whether deliberately or not? And so this is important to consider because we all at some point have received a message about Jesus, and we've put our faith in that message, and that now has become embedded in the foundation of what our faith is built upon. And so we need to, at moments in our lives, we need to go back to the message that we received to examine whether or not the message we received is actually the one Jesus intended for us to receive. And Paul actually addresses this very thing Because how many of you know that over the course of time, things can be added to that, and they can be subtracted from it? And so Paul in Galatians chapter 1 says, I am so shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are now following a different way that pretends to be the gospel. But it's not the gospel at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. What Paul was addressing here was that the gospel message, there is the gospel message, and then there are messages that people will receive and build their faith on that are simply pretending to be the gospel, but aren't the gospel at all. Here's the truth. It won't take a lot for you to go on YouTube, look up some random sermon, and find some of the nonsense people are talking about. It was just this week that a pastor in Missouri had to issue a statement about an Instagram video that went viral where he was rebuking his congregation because they weren't tithing enough money so he could get Louis Vuitton gear. Nonsense. Go look it up. And he had to issue a statement about apologizing that the video went viral. Not that he said what he said. How long have people been in that type of church setting where nonsense like that has been talked about? What is being preached these days? The truth is, is that we cannot, we can't assume that everywhere you go, the whole gospel is really being preached. And see, this this pretend gospel does something very interesting. It looks like the gospel, and it sounds like the gospel, but when you take a closer look at it, it's missing critical elements of the whole or complete. And so it's important for us to re-examine this foundation, re-examine the gospel that we are believing, because we may not be believing the whole thing. And so let's go ahead and pray. We're going to get started into it, and I got 24 minutes. Jesus... Thank you for grace. 
Thank you for this amazing church. Thank you, Lord, that this church was founded upon people that rightly divided the word of truth. That we're not going to be swayed, we're not going to swerve, we're not going to adjust, but we're going to be faithful adherence to the scripture. I pray we would continue in that culture in Jesus' name. Amen. You ever been uh, deceived by false advertising? Anybody? Ever been? Uh, how about this one? Have you ever been uh, duped uh, by the false advertising to the point where all of the stuff that you really needed to know about was in the fine print and you didn't find out about it till later? In 2021, in March of 2021, uh, Allison and I and the entire family and our dog were on our way out to Pataskala because uh, my son had a piano lesson and we got rear-ended rear in Pataskala at a four-way stop. And uh, luckily we were all fine, however, our car was totaled, old blue. She was about the only blue Honda Odyssey of that color that existed in Columbus, but she was faithful. And uh, so we go and we're doing the online search as most of us do these days. Because it, here's the first false advertising of car dealerships. They have the online price. Okay. Because it's the same price as going there, but they just want you to get all the way out there so they can suck you into the deal. Anyways, we go out to Pataskal, we find this van, and we, you know, take it for a test drive. We decide we want to sit down and have the conversation. And, you know, I don't know if you've had a lot of experiences with car dealerships, but um, they all love you so much. The car dealerships, they are there for you. They are there for you. And this one especially was there for us because they wanted to let us know upon sitting down uh, that they were going to provide us, if we were to purchase the vehicle, they were going to provide us with a whole vehicle lifetime warranty free of charge. A $3,000 value. Wow, you guys are amazing. And so... That, that warranty only had one condition, though. Here was the condition. Now, Greg Arnett, I want to let you know, I'm not talking about Gregory Jr.'s dealership. I'm talking about every other dealership in the state. Not Greg's, every other one. Just for clarification, and if you were offended, you can um, email rkulich at usa.net. And so, but there was one condition. Here was the condition. You can take the vehicle anywhere you want to go for maintenance. You just have to call the dealership first and inform them of where you're taking it and what type of maintenance you're getting. Cool. That sounds so easy. So a couple months pass and it's oil change time. So what do I do? I call the dealership. And I call them and I say, hey, I just want to let you know this is my name. This is the vehicle that we purchased. We're going to take our uh, car to receive an oil change. Interestingly enough, when I speak to the person, they're like, oh, you're not supposed to call the dealership. You're actually supposed to call the warranty company. Makes sense, right? Because things just start to change. You ain't ever been there? They just, you just, they just say whatever you want. So what I do, I call the warranty company. Then I'm speaking to the warranty company. And I just called the person, I said, hey, you know, I just want to let you know that I'm taking my car to get an oil change. I'm going to go and get it. And he goes, okay, cool. So he's like, let me look up your personal information. Awesome, great. He goes, uh, what's your home address? 
Perfect question, right? Looking up the account. Tell him my home address. And then he goes, okay, do you happen to be at home? That's kind of an odd question. And I said, yeah, I'm, on, I'm at home, but I'm about to leave. And he goes, this is interesting. He goes, sir, I see that the dealership in which you purchased the vehicle is within 10 miles of your home address. Is there a reason why you're not going to the dealership in which you purchased the vehicle to receive the maintenance on the car? I said, yeah, because two miles from my house is an oil change station. To which he replies, well, I want to let you know that in order for your warranty to remain valid, you need to contact the warranty company and submit a request for the mechanic that you are wanting to get maintenance done on, get our approval, and then you need to download an app on your phone, take a picture of all of the receipts for all of the maintenance, upload them to the account. Now, if you don't want to do all of that, I've got good news for you. You can come to the dealership, get all your maintenance done, and we'll keep track of all of those records for you. And if you don't do that, your warranty will become invalid. Ah, gotcha. I see what just happened. So I'm like, um, that's not actually what the salesman told me. And he goes, sir, if you look in your warranty brochure, it's all in the fine print. <laughs> you ever been conned or tricked by false advertising? Needless to say, I would like to announce to you this morning that uh, I no longer have a valid car, car warranty <laughs> because I have violated that things about 11 times since that time. What did they do? Listen, they delivered a message about the warranty that was partially true. The problem was it wasn't the whole message. They sold me on all of the benefits but left out all of the personal costs of keeping the warranty and reserve them for the fine print. When I think about the message of the gospel, I often wonder how much of the original message has been left out and reserved for the fine print for people to find out later on their own, because if it was a part of the original message, then people may not be so quick to receive the message. So much of the gospel that is being preached today sells all of the benefits of receiving the gospel, but leaves what is expected of us when we receive the gospel to the fine print for people to find out later on their own. My concern this morning as I speak to you is that going in and out of churches all across America are Christians that have embraced a message about Jesus that someone has communicated to them that has left all of the critical truths to the fine print. They have received a message about Jesus that is missing critical elements because those critical elements are culturally controversial or they're pills that are too hard to swallow. So often what I see as I observe the preaching landscape, and let me just rant for a moment. 
across the nation is that there is much em emphasis on the benefits, but little to no talking about the cost of following Jesus. And I often wondered to myself that if these new converts really knew what was truly expected of them in following Jesus, if they knew that up front, would they really follow him? These are true. There are truths in God's word that will disrupt your value system. There are truths in God's word that will rattle who we are to the core. And listen to me. What I fear is that if we don't talk about these things and if we aren't forthright, then we are lying to ourselves about all of the converts that we are claiming just got saved. I don't want to see anybody get saved just for a little while. I want to see them go to Jesus when they are lying on their deathbed because they received the whole gospel. They counted, they cost, they knew about the benefits, but they also knew about the sacrifices. There is a reality to the fact that the modern church growth techniques don't focus on talking about hard truths until, of God's word until later after we get people into the church for a while and then we sneak those things into the back door. We try to ease them into the offensive things. We try to ease them into the things that could turn them away from Jesus because they're so radical. And here's what happens. Over time, those truths never get talked about. Or there is a bait and switch when what ha that happens when people feel like they've been tricked into following Jesus. Why would you talk about all the good stuff and then now you're telling me that he says, if you were to come after me, you must pick up your cross and follow me? Can I tell you that that is as hypocritical to keep the true expectations of following Jesus from somebody until they get so connected into the community, then they feel like, well, I guess I have to accept this because I've been here too long. It's just not the whole gospel. It's false advertising. And it's leaving the hard stuff to the fine print. See, if anyone receives a gospel message of Jesus Christ that leaves out the hard truths, my question is, are they even really receiving the full gospel? See, last week I mentioned to you that in this theory, series we're going to focus on three needs, but we're really only going to get to two because in two weeks I'm going on vacation. Bye. <laughs> I just felt like the Holy Spirit told me to say that. Right now. That's a hard truth. <laughs> the first need, see, the gospel communicates needs. Needs. The first need that the gospel communicates is the need for forgiveness. The whole gospel message communicates our need for the forgiveness of God. See, we're in need, we're need of the forgiveness of God because Romans 3.23 in the New Living Translation says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We are in need of the forgiveness of God because God has a perfect standard whether we like it or not. He's got a perfect standard. And by the way, he does not adjust his standard. And as I said last week, we will not stand before Jesus and we will not have a conversation where we're negotiating what's, what should be the standard for me and what shouldn't be. He's got his standard and he's not going to change. This standard is the expectation that God had and still has for human beings, even if culture shifts. It doesn't change. Do you know in America, there was a time where the values of Christianity were by and large embraced by the majority. That's 
his standard is as firm then as it is now. He doesn't shift with the culture. You know why? Because Jesus is not an American. Jesus is not a politician. Jesus is not trying to get your vote. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and every knee will bow and confess to the glory of God the Father. He doesn't, listen, he doesn't need to do anything. He's God. You'll have, we'll have to face him at one point. So we were in need of God's forgiveness. But the second one, and more often the one that is not talked about, is that the gospel expresses our need for repentance. Do you know forgiveness and repentance are not the same thing? Matthew chapter 4, and by the way, this is where people are like, man, I came to hear a repentance message today. I know this is a very popular topic, and if I were to uh, post this on social media, it would not go viral. <laughs> but the gospel, it expresses our need for repentance. Matthew chapter 4, 17. Here we have the original message and the messenger. Let me just say this. If Jesus only did and spoke what his father told him to spoke, speak and do, then why did he start out his gospel preaching campaign with this phrase? If repentance was not important. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, repentance was and still is a critical component to the message of Jesus Christ that we are meant to receive and believe. Do you notice that repenting was not something that was optional? Jesus was not saying, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent if it suits you. Repent if you're, if you're okay with repentance, go ahead and do that. If not, I get it. It wasn't a suggestion. It was actually a command. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was, as, it was as if Jesus was saying, heaven is right here. Now there is one thing that you have to do to truly receive it. That is, repent. So this is what repentance, I love that Deborah started out, God, I repent for the things that I have done and the things I didn't even know I've done. That tells me that that's part of her lifestyle. You don't graduate from repentance. You don't... We don't, we don't repent one time. I, 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 I'm not going to get to it, but you know what sanctification is? It's a super spiritual church word, sanctification. You know what that is? That's just long repentance. That is just ongoing. I'm wrong, God. Ongoing. I need my heart changed. Ongoing. Please transform this. This is not right. Sanctification is repentance from the beginning of putting your faith in Jesus until you breathe your last breath. It's ongoing repentance. And what we see here, by Jesus saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, what we see is that repentance is to be our reaction and response that we have when we receive the message of the gospel. It's our reaction. It's how we respond. And by the way, this kind of flies in the face of just praying a prayer and moving on. Because you can pray a prayer and not be repentant. 
It's our reaction and response. Forgiveness of our sin and restoration of what uh, our relationship with God is what Jesus provides for us, but repentance is how we react to what Jesus has done. And by the way, can I just say something? That your worship life will change once you embrace repentance. Because repentance will produce gratitude that will cause you to worship Him no matter what. When you know the depth of your need for His forgiveness, it changes the way that you worship Him. It's not, oh, I just, this Jesus thing is cool. It's our response. And see, what we often hear from the message of the gospel is that you just got to believe in Jesus and receive his forgiveness. That's true, but it's only partially because he commanded repentance. The gospel of Jesus Christ isn't just about receiving forgiveness from sin. It's not a get out of hell free card. It is also about repenting of a lifestyle that does not please God. You know, in Revelation chapter 2, God speaks to John and says, I have a message for seven churches. Do you know four of the seven, God's message was, you need to repent. Still, it was an ongoing thing. You received the gospel and you repented initially. But somewhere along the line, things have been added to it and subtracted from it, so, po- so much so that the way in which you are living your life in response to the gospel, it's a gospel that is pretending to be the gospel. Jesus said, you're tolerating things that are not pleasing to me. And he was not talking to the Gentiles. He was talking to the church. Last week, my whole point was this. We're talking about this so it doesn't become a problem here. Because the moment it becomes a problem, it's even harder to deal with. Sometimes you preach series so that you preserve the body. This is what this whole thing is about. It's our reaction and our response. On this topic, John Piper says, which if you want to hear someone talking about the whole gospel, look up John Piper. He says, the gospel is not just to relieve your conscience and get you out of hell. Sinners want that without any new birth whatsoever. Jesus in his conversation with Nicodemus was, you don't need to just ask for forgiveness. You need to be born again. You need to be born new. Sinners want to get out of hell without any new birth whatsoever. You don't need to be born again to not to want to burn for eternity. We have to get the goal of the gospel right. It is not just exit from hell, entrance to heaven, and golf forever. I love that analogy. This is not what it is. See, time and time again, whenever you hear the gospel message preached in the New Testament, you'll see the R-E-P-E-N-T word there. Look at the beginning of the new church, Peter, in Acts chapter 2. Now, when they heard this, that was Peter's gospel message. And by the way, it was culturally tailored to all of the Jews. He went from the beginning to the end. Here's every prophet. This is where Jesus has been everywhere. And then he he doesn't kind of like sugarcoat it. He says, by the way, y'all are the ones who crucified him. 
And he's like, let's close in prayer. <laughs> His blood is on your hands. Will you bow your heads with me? God, we just thank you. And when they heard Peter's message, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Wow. In other words, how are we to react and respond to what we've heard? And what does Peter say? He says, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, repentance is a critical component of the gospel message that Jesus intended for us to receive. It's mentioned 53 other times in the New Testament, over and over and over again. So why repentance? Why does Jesus command it? Why is it a critical component of the gospel message that Jesus intended for us to receive? Because we don't just need forgiveness of sin. We need to change. When I was in high school, and I wrote this in my article, but this was just so funny. I don't know if you guys ever had this experience, but back when I was in high school, we didn't have digital yearbooks. We had actually like paper, material, cardboard, like yearbooks. And you, the, the, the thing was to go around and have people sign your yearbook. And so I'd go pass it around and you know all of these people would sign it and uh, it was just the thing to do. And the common thread interwoven through every single message was, don't ever change. Anybody ever had that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, it was the trend. This is what people wrote in every yearbook message. Don't ever change. Don't ever change. Don't ever change. That is a 17-year-old that has not lived life. <laughs> because nothing could be further from the truth. No, you need to change. I better change. Because if 17-year-old me was 38-year-old dad and 38-year-old husband, I'd be a mess. Don't ever change some of the dumbest advice I've ever heard in my life. You better change. We need to start a trend in 2022 that when people sign your books, it says, you better change. Caleb, <laughs> class of 2022. You need to change. And here's the thing about change. Change is not change unless you change. <laughs> change is not change because you said it. The reason why we need repentance is because we need to change. The forgiveness of God is about dealing with your sin, but repentance is about dealing with your heart. We need to change on a heart level. God is after transforming your heart. He's after transforming the passions of your heart, the desires of your heart, the ambitions of your heart, and receiving forgiveness and praying a prayer does not necessarily get to the heart of the matter. I know this because I have preached the message, prayed with kids, went into a room, had conversations about what they just received, and they never came back. Right. Yeah. Let's be honest, we see this in church. God is after the heart. Yes. It is our hearts that need to be changed so that we can become who God wants us to be here. And by the way, it's about here. 
Repentance is about here. Because one of the amazing things about the message of the gospel is that when you see Jesus, you will become like him. You will become like him. So repentance won't necessarily be needed when you become perfection because you look upon perfection. What that tells me is that God God has a will for you receiving the gospel message that has implications on this earth, and repentance is one of those things. Repentance is so that you change while you're here, so that you become as close to who Jesus is while you are here. Receiving God's forgiveness for our sin will change our eternal destination, but it may not change your heart. Why do I say all of that? Because have you ever asked for forgiveness simply because you wanted to avoid further punishment? (laughs) No one said amen to that one. I'm sorry, I just... And by the way, it This is where things get really messed up and convoluted in the gospel message today because people think that the good news does not talk about repentance. That's not true. Do you know that in healthy relationships, fear and love coexist? Anyone who doesn't think that a reverence or a healthy fear and love can coexist has never been married. I love Allison, but I'm also scared of her. And that is good. That is healthy. Your relationship with God should contain both. He is a good father, but he is also holy. We don't talk about the holiness of God anymore. As if we've graduated from that. And the reason why I know that we don't talk about it is because of what we tolerate. He's holy. And in Peter, he says, be holy because he is holy. We will never become holy on this planet, but by my goodness, I hope that we're pursuing it. See, we see this pattern in kids all the time. Just because you ask for forgiveness doesn't mean you're truly repentant. Our kids are getting in trouble all the time. Say you're sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Say it again. One time, it was amazing. I was like, wow, this is going to be a challenge. Ella did something at like two that was like rude and disrespectful to Allison. We said, you're going to sit in a chair until you apologize. That girl sat there for three hours. We would come back. "Um, Are you ready to apologize? No. (laughs) Whoa. I rebuke that demon of rebellion in Jesus' name. Come out. Get a blanket. She's slain. Get a blanket. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Three hours. We see this all the time, right? The only reason why they're apologizing is because they want to escape further punishment. And yet we don't receive the gospel that way. Or do we? That's why the fo- over-focus on just hell, hell, hell didn't necessarily produce great fruit. Because people were only believing in Jesus so they could get out of hell. 
they could escape from their punishment. Repentance is deeper than that, folks. Repentance, repentance is saying, I know that I need an external transforming agent that changes me. Because to the core, I need to be transformed. Repentance is deeper. By the way, this is why in Joel 2.13, God speaks through Joel to the people of Israel, and he says, and rend your heart, not your garments. Why did he say that? Because in the, in the, in the um, people of Israel, there was a pattern for how you were supposed to repent. This pattern was that you would publicly wail and moan and groan and cry. You would rip your clothes. You would cry tears. You would put ashes all over you so that when you're walking through your community, people know that you're repenting. But Jesus said, this is not really dealing with the heart issue. He saw that the people of God had got so accustomed to repentance being a ritual that it was never penetrating the heart. And he said, you know what? I'm tired of you rending your garments. You need to rend your heart. You have, you have lost what it really means about repentance. I don't want the outward acts. Let me just say this. We, I want to see people slain in the spirit. I want to see people weep at the altar. But I want genuine change, not just emotionalism. God doesn't want you to run to the altar. Oh my God, save me. Give me the microphone. I'm, I'm always going to be different. I've given my life to Jesus. And then you're wilding out one week later. You just got caught up in the emotion. God doesn't want you to rend your garments he wants your heart. That's what repentance is about. He was saying that because repentance had become a ritual. Repentance is not some spiritual ritual that we do and cross off our spiritual checklist. It's something that you do one-on-one -on -one with Jesus where you don't just ask God for forgiveness, but you ask him to transform your heart. It's about the heart. Will you stand with me? I just pulled a Pastor Dwight. <laughs> Do you need to change? That's the question. Do you need to change? Do you acknowledge that you need to change? Not that you need to change by your own willpower, but do you acknowledge in who you are that you need God to change you? You need God to change you. Repentance is about going before the God of heaven and saying, I am fully aware of the places I need you to help me change. Matter of fact, it's not, God, will you please, please forgive me? It's, God, I want your help to change so that I don't have to ask for forgiveness in this area over and over and over again for the rest of my life. 
I want you to remove inside of me the very desire for those things. If you're in the room this morning, you truly want change. You truly want change. You recognize there are things in my life Not things, but there are things in my heart that need to change. Just want you to pray with me. Jesus, I recognize the error in my ways, the motives of my heart, the selfish ambitions, and the wicked desires that are not pleasing to to you. I ask you today to help me change. I open up my heart to come in and begin to transform me. I thank you for your grace that empowers the transformation. I pray today that I would commit and be faithful to a lifestyle of repentance. Because my desire this morning is to please you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, and one more thing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm kidding. (laughs) Hey, we love you guys. Now, next week, I'm going to take this a step further, and I'm going to get real specific. And Isaiah will be here next week. (laughs) Oh, he is. Okay, awesome. Well, then I won't get to it. Maybe in September. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. All right, love you guys. If you're visitors, I'd love to speak with you uh, this morning. And uh, Pastor Dwight and Pastor uh, Tammy and Pastor Rick and Betty would love to talk to you. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.